0: This is a continuation of the reading from my chapter on Myanmar in A Short History of Southeast Asia. Today I'll be reading part of the chapter that deals with from the 1970s up to the early 2000s. There were sporadic student protests and riots in the 1970s, but these were ruthlessly quelled by the military. A new series of protests began in Early 1988, led by students and Buddhist monks. The usual violent reaction from the military this time failed to stop the riots growing in intensity. In August and September 1988, they culminated in widespread strikes and massive demonstrations in the urban areas, coalescing into a demand for an end to military rule. The army reacted, killing thousands of protesters. The horrors of these acts were relayed daily to the television screens of the Western world, eliciting widespread protests from Western governments. A new organisation, the State Law and Order Restoration Council, commonly known as SLORC, took over government under the control of the Army Chief of Staff, General Saw Mung. However, Nay Win, who had resigned as chairman of the Burmese Socialist Programme Party in August 1988, retained an important behind-the-scenes role during the 1990s. By the turn of the century, though, his star had waned. In a dramatic move in March 2002, Nay Win's son-in-law and three grandsons were charged with plotting a coup to restore him to power and sentenced to death in August though this was later commuted to life imprisonment and from which they have all since been released. Ne Win himself died under house arrest in December 2002 and was buried in a private ceremony ignored by the country's military leaders. Slork decided to hold elections in 1990 presumably because it was concerned at the strong international reaction to the repression of August and September 1988. It also thought that it could control the results of the election through its powerful intelligence service. The election campaign did not go as planned. Do Aung San Suu Kyi, daughter of Myanmar's revered national martyr, U Aung San, returned from London and quickly became the major spokeswoman for the National League for Democracy. The NLD campaigned vigorously in 1989, drawing large crowds to its meetings, despite the restrictions placed by the military and the fear campaign waged by the intelligence service. Aung Sung Suu Kyi was a powerful orator and a magnetic public figure and was able to draw on the aura surrounding her father's name. In July 1989, she was placed under house arrest, and thousands of NLD supporters, students and other political activists were arrested. Despite the tough military line, the NLD won over three-quarters of the seats when the elections were eventually held in May 1990 the renamed Myanmar Socialist Programme Party, now the National Union Party, won only 10 seats. Slork responded by arresting NLD leaders and declaring the election null and void. The military subsequently stated that they would retain power. Although Aung San Suu Kyi was released from house arrest in 1995, between September 2000 and May 2002, she was again subject to house arrest and imprisoned in May 2003 and subsequently finally released in 2010. The military government, which changed its name from SLOC to the State Peace and Development Council, or SPDC, in 1977, has shown no sign that it's prepared to relinquish political power or lessen its repression of the NLD and popular dissent generally. In 1999, Suu Chi's British husband Michael Arras died of cancer in London. The Myanmar authorities refused him permission for a last visit to see his wife in Yangon. She in turn refused to leave the country, fearing the Myanmar government would deny her a re-entry permit when it came time to return home. International pressure for reform came mostly from the European Union and the United States, both of which imposed economic sanctions and placed travel restrictions on government officials. In contrast, neighbouring countries mostly refused to condemn the SPDC, stating that this would amount to an unacceptable interference in the country's internal affairs. In 1997, Myanmar entered ASEAN, and the other members have relied on a policy of constructive engagement in an effort to quietly persuade the SPDC to be more accommodating of the aspirations of its citizens and to seek a political compromise with Aung San Suu Kyi. But following the 1997 Asian financial crisis, ASEAN had other issues to deal with, and international controversy regarding its support for the SPDC became a liability. Thus, during a visit in January 2001, one of ASEAN's most influential leaders, Malaysia's Prime Minister Mahathir, stated quite baldly that his hosts had become an embarrassment to ASEAN because of their failure to enact reforms to address the pariah status accorded their country by Western nations. This, he said, was tarnishing not only Myanmar's reputation, but those of other ASEAN member states too. In 2005, a group of Southeast Asian parliamentarians demanded that Myanmar be expelled from ASEAN unless the regime improved its human rights record. While their calls went unchecked, ASEAN members did become concerned that the Association's image would suffer irredeemably if Myanmar insisted on taking its turn as ASEAN's rotating chair in 2006. Subtle pressure was applied behind the scenes, and in July 2005 the government announced it would forego its right to chair ASEAN, citing the need to concentrate on domestic considerations. Throughout her house arrest, Aung San Suu Kyi continued to call for a continuation of foreign boycotts on trade, aid and tourism. Indeed, foreign donor countries have largely cut off development aid since 1998. To add to Myanmar's woes, in 2002, the United Nations announced that the country was facing an AIDS epidemic, with 1 in 50 adults estimated to be HIV positive. One of the highest rates in the world. In the same year, the United States State Department reported that poverty is widespread and the economy has continued to slow the effects of a growing government deficit, rising inflation, shortfalls in energy supplies, and continuing foreign exchange shortages. In September 2007, Major riots triggered by fuel price rises broke out in the capital. Thousands of Buddhist monks and nuns joined the protests, which were ruthlessly suppressed by the authorities, sparking sharp international condemnation. Also attracting international criticism was the government's response to Cyclone Nargis, which wrought havoc in the Irrawaddy Delta which is the source of 65% of the rice grown in Myanmar. This took place on May 2 and 3, 2008. The cyclone is said to have killed an estimated 134,000 people, affected 2.4 million farmers, and swamped 200,000 hectares of Delta rice paddies, which is 16% of the total, with seawater rendering it unusable for several harvests. The tragedy was compounded by the government's refusal to avail itself of offers of assistance which flooded in from the United Nations, foreign aid groups and other governments. These offers were either delayed or rejected outright, which needlessly led to the deaths of many thousands of cyclone victims. This was further evidence of the extent to which the regime remained, and still remains, insular and suspicious of outside interference, even during a humanitarian catastrophe such as Nargis. I'll cease reading the chapter here, and in the next uh, reading I'll cover the balance of the chapter, which is just a couple of pages. Thank you for listening.